Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Good afternoon, everybody. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. It's Ballsy coming to you live from Montreal, getting set for the Riders and the Alouettes tomorrow. Our pregame show begins at 2.30, kickoff at 5.30. Sean Kleisinger's away at a wedding in Oregon, so we've got Blaine Weiland on the other side of the board here operating. And we got a great show lined up for you today as, uh, yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time teeing up that big game tomorrow. Of course, tonight in the CFL, we've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on the Edmonton Elks as Trey Ford will get the start at quarterback for Edmonton. First time he's been on the field this year in any capacity for the team in the regular season. But on to our game, the uh, Rough Riders and the Alouettes. Alouettes outscored Hamilton 18-0 in the fourth quarter last week, their best fourth quarter scoring margin since September 21st. 2019 when uh, they outscored Winnipeg 21-0 in a fourth quarter in a 38-37 comeback. It was only the second time in the last 13 years they had a margin of plus 18 or better in the fourth. Speaking of fourth quarters, the Rough Riders created the second lead change in the last 104 of their game versus Ottawa on that 26-24 win. You know, Brett Lothar cinched it for Saskatchewan with a 54-yard field goal with 26 seconds left. The Riders are now 4-1 in games decided by four points or less. They were 0-3 in 2022 in one to four point games. By contrast, Montreal hasn't had a game closer than a seven point margin so far this year. Cody Fajardo, this will be his 100th game and uh, he is uh, banged up on the left side of his body. Not sure what the injury is, but it is upper body. He heard it in the game against Hamilton, but he will play, you know that, in this ball game. Fajardo passed for a season high 318 yards last week completing four for 30 plus yards as he has really become a proficient deep ball thrower this year he worked a lot on that in the offseason the riders have struggled running the ball lately and in short yardage as you know but they didn't allow a sack last week for the first time since september 30th 2022 the span of 10 games prior to last week they had allowed 46 sacks over those 10 games how about the month of august yeah the rough riders are 13 and 3 in August because with last week's victory now 13 and 3 since 2017 one of the guys to watch for the Alouettes is newcomer Austin Mack he leads the CFL with 85.9 receiving yards per game and is on pace for 1,545 yards that would surpass the CFL record for first year players set by Matt Clark with uh, 1,530 yards in 1991. Clark was a receiver for the BC Lions then when Doug Flutie was the quarterback. And on the rider side of things, it looks like Micah Tights and Derek Moncrief are banging off the ring rust. Want to check out Tights' stats? He has 14 defensive tackles over his last two games. That's the highest two-game total in his Canadian Football League career. And Cody Fajardo's buddy, Mason Fine, I think he's been doing well. Fine recorded his first win as a starter last week, threw for 296 with a touchdown and no interceptions over his last two starts. He has 598 yards passing and uh, yeah, he's been pretty good with the football, avoided sacks, even caught one of his own passes in the game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So that's kind of a tee up to this ball game. 
coming up tomorrow. When we come back, we're going to hear from former Montreal Alouette and current veteran Rough Rider receiver who had his best game in Rider Colors last week against Ottawa with a few tough contested catches. It's Blaine Weiland in conversation with Jake Winicky. And I kind of buried the lead here, but the Riders catch a break. No William Stanback. He's nursing a hip injury, so Walter Fletcher gets the start at running back for the Montreal Alouettes. Not to say he's not good, but you don't have to face that big behemoth of a back in William Stanback, who combines speed and power. And Cody Fajardo, I'd expect him to play, but he's listed as a game-time decision. So we shall see See when the ball kicks off in Montreal. Here's a 54-yard field goal down Main Street for the lead. Snap, hold, kick is on the way, and this one is good! Get Brad Lothar and the Red Riders have won the game 26-24. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Well, Jake, was this one of those games that you, you know you had circled from the day the schedule was released and you found out you were going to be a Rough Rider? Uh, definitely excited just to go back to Montreal, see a whole bunch of my old uh, teammates and coaches, and even just the the city that uh, was pretty much my second home. Uh, got to live there for a couple years. My daughter was born there, so it'll be pretty special to uh, to go back to Montreal and, and also see uh, some old friends. How would you describe your years in Montreal? Well, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of blast. I learned a lot. Uh, I think I. Uh, fell in love with the CFL there, uh, just the game of football, learned to love it even more, got a lot better, grew a lot as a man, um, and yeah, it was just a, it was really a second home for, for our family. Me and my wife, we got married uh, about a week before my rookie year there, so uh, pretty much most of our, our married life was there, so uh, got to spend a lot of time there, and, and it really became home. It's a little, a little bit different now, the fact that you're going back this week, but Trevor Harris is not. Yeah, I wish I wish Trevor. I know he wishes as well that that he was going to. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna live in the present and uh, definitely gonna be a fun game. I'm not sure how similar the team looks from last year to this year, but when you're watching them on film this week, does it feel a little familiar watching them? Definitely. Yeah, it's funny. Like even uh, you look at look at the field and even the scoreboard. It shows the scoreboard every time you watch film right before each play, and it just yeah, it's just it's, that's that's what's familiar. That was all my home games for the last couple of years, uh, so it's kind of cool to to look at that and then also see a lot of familiar faces, guys I went against. Uh, and practice friends of mine on the team so uh, it's definitely fun and, and I've been watching all their games on TV as well too so it's it'll be cool to, to see them all in person. I feel like they're going to give you guys a lot of different looks compared to me with last season your defense would look like on the other side of the ball? Yeah probably most likely. Um, Coach, Coach Thorpe's always got some different things uh, up his sleeve so uh, yeah we'll interested to see what kind of looks he'll give us. Did you leave on good terms though? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Got a great relationship with with all the coaching staff and uh, uh, Danny Machocha there. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of great uh, friends of mine on the team as well. And, yeah, left on, left on good terms and, and definitely enjoyed my time there. Is there motivation, though, to stick it to your former team and, and beat your old team? <laughs> I mean, I think every game you play, you obviously want to win. So, 
uh, not, not any different than any other game, but uh, definitely looking forward to it and get to play against my old teammates and uh, and just get to see them as well. Is there any Montreal-specific thing that you're going to have to do when you get over there? I mean, we're getting in pretty late, so we won't have uh, too much time, but it would be kind of just cool, I think, just to just to see the city. Uh, again, I haven't been there for a while, um, so it would be kind of just cool to, to be back there. Knowing that Montreal doesn't come here in the regular season, is yeah. this one even that much more exciting for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know it's, it's been one time that I get to, to see all those guys and, and play against them. So it's going to be a fun game and, and uh, definitely excited for the opportunity. The short practice week, is that a big effect for you guys this week? I don't think we mind it. I mean, we got we got one great practice today and, and uh, we, we know what we got to do. Uh, we've been running these plays for a long time and uh, I feel like we're just getting better and better every single week. Obviously, the more practice days, the, the more you can kind of polish those plays. But uh, I think uh, we feel pretty confident in, in what we're doing and, and we're excited to, to go out there on Friday and play. In terms of coming back from injury, you feel like you're coming back into your groove now? Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, the more that you play, kind of getting into midseason form and just getting used to the, the routine and the schedule of the weeks and the practices and the games. And, and yeah, now I feel like I'm, I'm kind of back in that and, and uh, learning to stack and, and, and get better every single day. Yeah, I mean he's he's feeling better and better uh, every day. So he's in the in the facility a little more. The first couple of weeks was was uh, tough, just couldn't move around as much. And but yeah, he's been in a lot now, and and uh, obviously he knows uh, the team really well, and he's a smart guy and watches a lot of films. So it's nice to have him uh, helping uh, helping us out breaking down the film as well. The club let go of veteran receiver in Darrell Walker earlier today. Is it kind of bittersweet in the fact that obviously a veteran's go, a guy, a teammate is gone, but also in the fact that guys like Tevin Jones, Sean Bing Jr., guys have been stepping up this year? Yeah, it's always tough just to, especially when it's uh, any, any one of your teammates goes, it's, it's always tough. And then especially when it's a receiver, uh, a close friend of yours is always tough. And then uh, the fact that he was a, an amazing player and an amazing leader for our team too is definitely, definitely tough. And, and, and we already miss him a lot. Um, but I mean, yeah, we got a lot of great guys in this room and yeah, you look around and, and I'm just blessed to be able to play with all these guys and whoever's in there, we got so much confidence that uh, they're going to go out there and ball. With the Riders D lineman Miles Brown, I thought you had a pretty good game last game. Just talk about uh, how you thought you played against Ottawa. Uh, I thought I played well. Um, every week I, you know, plan to play well and execute to the best of my ability. So. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the defense has been firing on all cylinders. Talking, uh, talk about uh, you know the success you guys have had in particular the last three weeks. Um, I think we've uh, all committed ourselves to trying to do things right, um, trying to be uh, the, the more right team, mm-hmm. make fewer mistakes than the other team, um, and in doing that, I think we're we're, we're finding ourselves having success. So uh, f- five sacks to start the the season against Edmonton. There was a little bit of a dry uh, dry spell. I think fans and media put too much stock in sacks sometimes, but there's starting to come now what 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 is it that that we're seeing more sacks now um i I think we're all just on the same page more than we were i mean i don't know (laughs) we we work at it every day um we expect five sacks a game we expect to have success so you know when when we don't have it we just have to find find the reasons why Mm -hmm. uh fix it and get back to doing what we do so it's talking to peter about on the offensive side uh third and short not getting it but you guys had a big stop third and short on defense what's the key to short yardage situations fire off that ball yeah (laughs) just fire off that ball and and see what happens it's a a real pride play though isn't it it can be it can be yeah and uh, pad level is probably pretty important absolutely absolutely pad level and power yeah will so uh, you're a little bit more of a veteran here now. What's the comfortability like for you now in Rider Nation with this team, with this game, the CFL? Um, I feel more in place. Uh, it's easier for me to, you know, be comfortable um, playing. Uh, 
and I mean, it's in terms of like the mental aspect I think I think it, it takes a lot off of you uh, I know in the last few years for me it's been you know pretty shaky and yeah. not knowing what's gonna happen and moving around and all that stuff uh, you know that was tough so now it's it feels good to kind of have a little bit of, of ease or yeah. sense of ease I guess uh, my second year doing this job traveling with the team on the plane I, I you know I got a sense of um, you know these aren't just robots these are people so how do you deal with the mentality like you were talking about the stress the insecurity of football this is a very insecure business yeah it is um, and I mean I think everybody's different uh, so you just find ways to deal with it uh, sometimes they aren't the most healthy sometimes they are sometimes you know yeah. I, I think in all you know you've, you've in in finding solutions you just kind of got to do what you got to do um, and let it play out. Yeah. Trust God that it'll, that it'll happen in the way that you need it to. Do you rely on any teammates or any family members or stuff? I know my son's in college playing football. We talk it out quite a bit. Is there anybody like that outside the game for you or inside the game for you? Yeah, yeah my family's huge for me, um, and I'm a I'm a big village person. I believe in uh, you know God putting people in certain places uh, for certain things, and uh, I, I'm just grateful for everyone that I have around me uh, who I can confide in when I need to, everyone that I can uh, you know, laugh with, uh, especially like my teammates. One thing I enjoy the most is that we laugh. Yeah. We laugh all day long, and <laughs> like I'm laughing for just thinking about laughing with them. Like that, that's something that we do, and I and I appreciate that. How grateful are you for the Canadian Football League? I have a job, man. I, w I was at home for a long time, um, and I'm I'm extremely grateful for it. I'm extremely grateful to be here. I'm extremely grateful to God that I have this opportunity. Um, it hasn't always been like this, uh, and and I recognize that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I have this. I don't think people realize uh, an American coming to the CFL and the, the faster play clock and the one, the one yard off the ball, just how much of a difference it is to get you acclimatized that. Do you feel like you've got it down now? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm vetted in that sense for sure. Uh, the game is feels a lot easier. I, you know, I'm, I'm way more comfortable. Uh, I'm feeling like I'm playing better. You know, so what's the key when you're trying to deal with backs like Olette, Harris in Toronto, and now a big guy like Stan Beck in Montreal? Uh, I believe in myself more than I do believe in them. Yeah, I don't even know those guys. Yeah, uh, so you know, if they run in the middle, they got they are gonna have to deal with me. Is yeah. how I think about yeah. it. Yeah, I think the key though too though when you're talking big backs, take the name out of it. You want to win that line of scrimmage, Absolutely. right? Re reset the line of scrimmage for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, no matter who's back there, um, you know. If any inside run play, outside run play, any run play, that, that to me in my mind, that is a D-line play typically until it spills out to the outside. And as long as there is a, uh, you know, the ball's in the hands of a running back, we, we have to, I think that our, our D-line, for me at least, at D-line, that's my play to make. Good luck in Montreal. Thank you. It's time to pump you up. Get the latest in fitness and lifestyle tips with one of Canada's top fitness trainers, Tish Duffy. This is Train Wintish on the Sports Cage. Yes, our resident health and lifestyle expert. Tish Duffy, she's been in the exercise and training business for over 30 years and uh, looking uh, just like a fine wine. She's aging beautifully. Okay, so let, 
Let's talk about this. You got a newsletter out, and uh, the last time we chatted, it was the first pillar to uh, a long life was cardio. You've got three pillars. Let's do number two this week. What's the second pillar? Number two, strength training. So I believe that cardio helps you live longer, but if you focus on the strength component, you will live a better life. So we really need to make sure that we're committing to keeping our bodies strong. So just a little little bit of history or some stats so your listeners can kind of understand the importance of what happens as you age. So we can, we basically lose uh, muscle mass approximately five to 10% per decade as we start to hit 30. So even your young listeners, this is a really important key. So 30 is super, super young, especially for you and I. Um, but that's yeah. when things start going downhill if you're not keeping and maintaining the muscle. At the rate of this decline, the rate of this decline story is even higher after the age of 55. So once we all hit 55, then life can get even scarier if we don't keep strong. Um, by the time we hit 70, so although this seems like a really far, far uh, years ahead, um, I'm sure you can also attest that 50 came pretty quickly yes, as did. well. So 70, um, we can lose up to 50% of our muscles. So things happen really, really quickly. So there's five movements that I really recommend people maintain. And this can be done with very, uh, like, no equipment. So no excuses. So, of course, the squat. So we always want to make sure that we can get on and off the toilet and just be as functional as possible. So those are all versions of squats. Back squats, front squats, foot squats, etc. The lunge, so you uh, can do these stationary or reverse. I usually recommend not doing the forward to back lunge just because it's really hard on the knee and actually doesn't do much. A vertical pull, so something like a pull up um, or a pull down. So that will keep your core strong as well as up, elevate your shoulders back and keep your body more upright rather than leaning forward. The hinge, so things like deadlift and thrust are the fourth component. And then, of course, you want to continue and keep those farmer's walks going. So anything where you're carrying something heavy, you should be able to carry that for a substantial amount of time. So those five movements are the most important that you need to stay consistent with. Okay, and lastly, if you were like doing weights in terms of weight training, like actual dumbbells or barbells, uh, should the, the older you get, like say about 40 on, should you be concentrating more on uh, on the reps as opposed to the weights when you're strength training? I think so, yeah. I mean, every age is different. Like I have some clients that by the time they hit 35, they can really feel their joints. So it is specific. And I, then again, I also have some 55 plus year old clients that are still you know, feeling pain-free, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, I always say the last few reps should be uncomfortable, but reaching fatigue or failure is probably not something that you need to do as you get older. Um, I also like the idea of using bands. They're really effective in working both eccentric and concentric consistently throughout the whole movement. And they're just overall a little bit safer on the joints. You slow things down usually with bands. So I just think that it's a really smarter way to train. Smart, train smart, not harder as you get older. Get a hold of her on all the social media platforms. Train with Tish. It's Tish Duffy. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Well, we don't have a show tomorrow because 
Our pregame show starts at 2.30, kickoff at 5.30 from Montreal Riders and the Alouettes. But on Fridays, we do a thing called Sports Cage Rewind, where we take one of the better interviews or bits we had from the week and replay it. We're going to do that twice today, and here's the first one. Now, this one happened back last Sunday, where they now sit down between our own Glenn Suter and Brendan Tamman. One of the architects of that team was Brendan Tamman. He's on the phone with us now. Brendan, how are you? Not bad, Glenn. How are you? I am really good. I know you're still in the game. I know you're out there in Ottawa. Um, we, we'll save that and that discussion for another time because we really want to fo- cool. focus, <laughs> yeah, focus on the 2013 season. But take, take me through just, just as we, you know, ease into this. Take, take me through the building of that team because the off season before 13 is probably as important as the 13 season. No. Yeah. When we, we played, you know, at the end of the 11th season, we knew we had to retool that team pretty significantly. So it started in 12 in the off season. And, you know, the first thing we did was start to build the old line up at the line of scrimmage. So we, we ended up signing uh, Brendan as a free agent. We, we got Dominic Picard as a free agent, and that sort of started it. We drafted Heenan. So that was sort of the building blocks of the foundation of the team. We knew we had to upgrade guys here and there with different positions, and probably the other one was the secondary. So the O-line and the secondary is where we really started in 12 to try to really improve the team. We had to move on like from really good players like Wes Cates, uh, Gino retired, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of things were going on. Andy we knew we couldn't keep because of the salary cap, so we decided to go with the old line instead of Andy. So those those things all were hard to do, but um, we just started to try to turn the turn the corner in the off season going into twelve, and we did. So um, you know we fine tuned it going into the thirteen season, but yeah, it did start in twelve for sure. Tell me about you know how confident you were you know, even a year or two ahead of the 13 season in the leadership and, and just the abilities of a Darian Duran at quarterback as, as your face of the franchise really at that well, time. Well, yeah, and I don't want to overlook that position because as we see currently in this league, that's very important and I right. can relate to it right now where I'm at. But um, we knew around him we had to improve. Um, we, we were pretty confident he could get it done when need be, but we needed to help him. And one of the first things to do was to protect him better. So we were able to do that, but um, you don't really go into a year planning two years out. We we knew going into 2012, we had to be way better than we were in 11. Realistically, we were trying to get into the playoffs, which we did, and we were a player two actually away from getting into the Western final that year. But we knew we had something going, and we just needed to keep building on it going into 13. But uh, there was a lot of good pieces there. We just, you know, with Dressler and Bag and Darian and guys like that, Getzloff, we knew on offense we were going to be okay to move the ball. I, I want to ask you, because you've been in other organizations, you're in another organization now, um, mm-hmm. just just the, the different dynamic that is being a, a GM, a president, a head coach, a starting quarterback in the province of Saskatchewan. <laughs> well, um, you know, I always look back where I was in that particular time, and I figured – you know, if I can do that job in Regina or even in Winnipeg back when I was there, mm-hmm. and I, I, I bought Sean, our GM here in Ottawa, about it all the time. Hey, at least we can make a mistake or two and you won't get uh, you won't get bucked at the restaurant or down the street or in your car. <laughs> so, But that's the good part about being there is people care and it's a big part of their culture and their day-to-day living. And, and that's what's fun about it. And, and that's nothing negative to where these other markets are, but over there it means so much. And 
you know that when you're there. You you know that it means that whether you're a player or a coach or whoever you are, you know that it means much. You can tell, and uh, it, it's fun. It's you know, Glenn, you were there. It's it's great when you win. When you lose, it's a little more tricky to manage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I hear you, and I, and that's what it really comes down to, isn't it? That they're so passionate. And it's okay. Yep. You can spend five minutes with every single person that wants to, and not, and never take it for granted, right? No, um, I always joke that I had about I don't know twenty thousand assistant GMs every game, so <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of opinions coming at me, depending on if it was my boss or the coach or whoever else wanted to talk to me about why we did this or why we did that. But it, it was fun, and like I say, when you succeed, it makes it even that much better. I, I felt like it, it was, and I've said this on a, on a few of these segments with other players, that the run for Darian Durant was as good through the playoffs, I mean, and the Great Cup Championship itself at home with that pressure. And the performance and his efficiency rating through the roof, like I don't think I've ever seen of any quarterback. Would you agree? Was it Was it that special from the inside out? You know, uh, what it, what you said is totally right. I think, you know, going into that playoff game, you know, the BC game stands out, the semifinal, where we got to the fourth quarter and it was it was tough growing there for a while. And then he just took it upon himself and made a couple big runs. And, and I think it was, what, eight touchdowns, no picks in those three playoff yep. games that yep. we ended up playing. And there may have been a better run in those three games in the last, while in the league, but I don't remember one. And and just seeing it and being there firsthand with what he did, he was on some kind of roll, and we wrote it. And obviously, everybody played a part of it, but he was a huge reason why we got to where we got to. And I just go back to that BC game in the semi, and I never want to say he won it on his own, but he was a huge part on how he played to get us over that hump. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and and I wanted to ask you this because. You know, we in the media will will often say, "Hey, when you got the Grey Cup at home, you've got to go ahead and blow out the budget and just start spending and 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 whatever." But let let's get a reality check from a guy who knows what that's all about. Well, the expectation level from obviously the market and the fans and from our board and other people, the expectation was you better be a good team at minimum, and Ideally, you get to the game in perfect scenario, which we were able to do, luckily, is we win it. So I can say to you, Glenn, that, nah, it was just another year and everything was normal. But as the season went on and as good as we were playing, the expectation level rose that, hey, these guys got a chance and, hey, these guys are good. And and we knew it was a big year for, for the organization hosting it, you know, the last game in the old building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not naive to all this. It's a tough business. You need breaks. You need a lot of things going for you. But we we built towards that year like we were talking about in 12. You know, we wanted to win it in 12 like everybody does every year. But we knew going into the next year, we better be good or our reign would probably <laughs> be in trouble, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So we really focused in on doing right things in the right way. Where we uh, the word I always used when it came to that year was aggressive. We were not going to sit back, and we turned over almost every stone on a lot of good players. We didn't get all of them, um, but we got most of them that we wanted. And as fate had it, it worked out. Sometimes teams do that, and it doesn't work. And you need you need good health with injury success. You need luck, which you need to be honest with you. You need some of that, mm-hmm. and you need good players that believe in what you're doing. 
So we were able to put the right group together that year, and it worked out. I think one of the one of the key elements from the outside looking in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was bringing in a guy like G. Roy Simon. Bringing in who? Sorry, a guy like G. Roy Simon. Bringing in a guy like yeah. G. Roy Simon, and just just that leadership and the guy who's been there, done that kind of thing. Yes, and that, I'm glad you mentioned that, Glenn, because when I talked to Corey, our coach, about acquiring him, we were, you know, there was a little question on what's he got left, this, that, and everything on the playing field. Honestly, when we acquired him, my big thought was he's going to give us a guy that's been there, done that, with some ability still to play, as he proved in mm-hmm. certain games throughout that year. But it was more of the leadership in the locker room. He. I thought could help dress and bag and get and more importantly, Darian show these guys on, they all were pros and they were all good, hardworking kids, players, everything. But it helps when you've had guys that have been there, done that winning. And I just figured he would sort of be icing on the cake. I didn't expect him to be a 2000 yard receiver, but I knew he could still play and he would add a lot to the locker room. And again, you know, we got chick back. We had Ricky Foley there for the veterans and, it all, like I said, came together. But you're right. G-Roy was a big, big part of that that team in a, in a different kind of way. Well, I I have to say uh, we have to wrap up. I'd love to just sit and chat uh, with you all day long on, on all of this and the memories of, of a championship season at home with all that pressure. And, and you, one of the football ops guys that put it all together. And, uh, again, congratulations on a championship season. Thank you for joining us. And good luck in Ottawa. Thanks. I, I hope we can uh, we can create some magic out here like we did in that year in 13 in Regina. But, um, you know, the league's the league. You, you've seen it many times. You need a lot of things going for you. And Ottawa's a great market. You know, it's, it's an awesome place to be, and hopefully we can turn it around. Yeah, absolutely beautiful city. Love, love visiting Ottawa when we do games, and, and good luck throughout the season. And thank you, Brendan. Appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. A little bit of collective soul. Of course, they're heading out to Saskatoon. They're, of course, playing Saskatoon tonight for the Saskatoon X. Back here in the Sports Cage Studios here in downtown Regina, I'm Blaine Wallen. We're going to head back out to Montreal in a little bit with Michael Ball, of course. And actually, on the other side of the break, I had a chance to talk to Rough Rider returner Mario Alfred earlier today. As, of course, he's heading back to Montreal for the first time since being acquired by the Rough Riders last summer. And even though it's been a full year, he's gone on to win the Most Outstanding Special Teams Award, of course, last year at the end of last season. He still has a little bit in the back of his mind heading into this contest against his former teammates, the Alouettes as well. Another former teammate, Chandler Worthy, the returner for the Alouettes, and also had a little bit of chance to talk with uh, Mario Alfred about fashion. If you were at the CFL Awards, you know that he was the best-dressed player that, that showed up for the CFL Awards here in Regina last November. But first, let's go with the big news out of Regina today. Of course, today... The Little League, the Canadian Little League World Championship, or the sorry, the Canadian Little League Championships 
but goes on to the World League World Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. North Regina Little League was taken on Last Mountain BC. Now, if you have been haven't been following along with the tournament, BC has been dominant. The defending Little Mountain champions, they had a run total of 84 to 4. Regina, last night, they advanced from a thrilling comfort-behind victory against Quebec. So, obviously, North Regina were the heavy underdogs going to this afternoon's matchup. The game was pushed back a little bit due to field conditions. They did get it in at 2 o'clock. And if you couldn't tell by when I say the big stunning news, North Regina... Little League defeated Little Mountain BC by a score of 4-3. to three. And yes, the team from Regina, that's right, the local team, the host team, the North Regina Little League team, will be heading to Williamsport, Pennsylvania next week and will be representing Canada with a 4-3 victory that, that occurred earlier on today as uh, they trailed one nothing, but they came back with a big third run inning, or sorry, third in. They scored four runs in that inning, including with Brady McQueen knocking in a pair of runs during that rally as well. So congratulations goes out to the North Regina Little League World Series that's now going to be representing Canada in the World Series, the Little League World Series. Of course, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It's going to be on TV next week, and it's going to be obviously the time of the life. So congratulations once again goes out to the Regina, North Regina, Little League World Series. That's going to be heading to the Canadian, or to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It's so exciting. I got my tongue twisted. I can just imagine what the players are going through right now. So congratulations to our local players that are heading to Pennsylvania next week. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, I'm joined with Mario, Alfred, and Mario. Before we start talking about this week's game, I just want to go back to last week's game. And no, it's not a game you probably want, but in the end, you did make that big return that set up the game-winning field goal. Does that one play kind of, you know, wash away a, kind of a bad taste of a bad game? Yeah, man, it's, it does. And um, it was just one of them games, man. I don't, I don't know if I ever had one of those in the CFL, but I'm going to bounce back this week. And um, we ready. We ready to get it, get it moving. And uh, that... That one play did set up good for Brad to make that, that good field goal. So I, I'm over that game, and I'm ready to move forward. How tough was that, you know, lining up for that last kickoff return? As you said, you know, kind of not the game you want, but still you had the focus of mind to, you know, make that one big return at the end. Yeah, man, I knew it was going to come down to us getting good field position. That's what this game's all about, and um, that's what football all about, a field position. So uh, I knew I had to get the guys in great field position for in order for um, – we did get a kickoff to it, so um, we did it, and um, we got the win. Short week this week with just the one practice. Any effect you think heading into this game tomorrow? Nope, no effect at all. We, we know it's a short week. You know, we just gotta, we just gotta look look over the noise and um, go do what we have to do. You know, uh, we can always make excuses. All oh, we didn't, we didn't have enough time. We didn't practice enough. Screw it. We're gonna go get this win. 
Uh, going back to Montreal, I know it's a long, it's been a long time, over a year now since you left, but do you still have, you know, kind of extra motivation for this oh, yeah. game? Always. It's, it, it always going to be a little, little tension there, you know, but it's still all love, but I, I can't wait to get back and um, show them what, 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 what the mistake they made. I know a lot of, you know, we're talking a lot this week, of course, you know, maybe quarterbacks versus quarterbacks for Jarrell versus fine, but let's talk about uh, Mario Alford versus Chandler Worthy. Do you ever think about kind of those matchup with returners? Mm, I mean, we, we don't, we don't necessarily say it out loud, but people know, people know the game and know this sport. So uh, we ain't going to say that's a game. We just want to go in there and get the win, you know. I'm just going to worry about um, what we got to do in my job, and um, I let them worry about what they got to do. Off the field in Montreal, is there anything kind of the city that you missed about it? Uh, just the food. I mean, I like they got good food and good scenery. But um, other than that, I'm not too much of a city guy in myself, but I, just, I do miss the food and stuff, though. Do you like the fact that it's really being treated as a business trip? You guys are coming in late, it's not getting you guys that possibility of sneaking out a little bit. Yeah. You know, do you like the fact that it's really yeah. been treated as a business trip? Yeah, I do. I, I, that's what, you know, we, we preached all week. This is not a trip where we just go and have fun, go view the scene, the city. We don't, we're not even there barely 24 hours, so um, we need to go in and do what we have to do. And the last year, of course, you won the most outstanding player of the year here in Regina, but it, I'm not sure. Officially, unofficially, you should have won the best dressed award that night. You had some good, some sweet sag, swag, I should say. And I just got to ask, you know, when you're hitting the road, what's kind of the attire that you like to, you know, dress up? Do you like it, the casual? Or do you yeah, like it? Just, just the, the game suits. Uh, we don't, you know, we, especially on a, a long, long trip, man, we, you want to be comfortable. But uh, I, bring, I, bring, I bring the tricks out towards the end of the season once we make it to the playoff. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Mario. All right. Thank you. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, coast to coast with Arash Madani from Sportsnet, the outstanding reporter who covers all types of sports, and we love the fact he's got his... Uh, his uh, finger on the pulse of everything sports. It's brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Make sure you are smart with your money, and here's how you do it. You give our friend Brian Golly a call at 546-2533. Uh, let's talk about the uh, National Bank Open, and you are there, and there's a new phenom on the scene. Tell us about it, Arash. Yeah, I mean, there is a new sheriff in town, Ballsy, and I, I know our audience isn't that big a tennis audience, but I'll tell you this, like I have covered this tournament. I've been lucky enough to have a courtside seat since 2011. And I've seen Federer come through and Nadal come through and Djokovic lift a trophy and Murray win a championship and Canadians, you know, explode onto the scene. But Ballsy, I got to tell you, 20-year-old Carlos Alcaraz, who just won Wimbledon, won the U.S. Open last year, he draws a crowd for practice like I've never seen before. Wow. Not even Roger and Rafa. Like it's five, six people deep. He had two, 3,000 people at his practice on Sunday. Wow. And when he won Wimbledon, like the tournament organizer said, okay, Wednesday night is Carlos, and tickets went fast. And here's a Spanish dude. Like I sat down with him last night after he won. I'm like, what do you make of it? And he said, Honestly, like, I don't even know. Like, he's like, two years ago, I couldn't even get into this tournament with my ranking. And now I'm one in the world. Things are happening so fast. 
I try and focus on the work, but he's like, it's incredible for me. So it's, it's really neat to watch kind of the next one explode onto the scene right before your eyes. That's very good and very well put, Arash. How about Ronick? She looks like he's on a, making a bit of a comeback here. Yeah, you know, Milos is, is, is an amazing story. Like, his first his first tournament was 13 years ago. Now he's 32 years old. He'd been gone for two years away from the tour, um, dealing with an Achilles injury. He wasn't even sure if he was going to come back. And then he said to himself, all right, let's do it. Let's make one last run at this. And he now finds himself, you know, in a very advantageous position. But Ballsy, it's amazing. Like, we all think about some of the cliches we have, right? We talk about experience and wisdom and all that stuff. Milos used to be a player who was so wound tight. And now he's a lot more relaxed. The game was taken away from him. He's got more perspective. He took university courses. He's starting to think about life after tennis. And like winning or losing matches isn't the most important thing in his life anymore. And so when you have that mindset, you just go out there and play loose and free. And, you know, you find yourself late in the week of a, of a real important tournament. So I think it's a lesson for all of us that the more you kind of have a little balance in your life, um, the more the main thing can actually improve. This is Arash Madani, Sportsnet's Arash Madani for Coast to Coast here, uh, Smart Investing Solutions. All right, let's talk some CFL. Arash, you were in Edmonton recently. Uh, you're on the Football Canada board. I wanted your thoughts on this. Uh, you watch the Elks. What are you making of this? Yeah. Tra- what are you making of this Trey Ford thing now? He's in there. I'm glad he's getting a chance, but I mean, come on, we're mid-season already. He's finally getting on the field. I don't know about you, Ballsy. I don't think they had a choice anymore. Yeah. Like everything they'd done up until this point, they tried the Taylor Cornelius. Don't forget I picked him as MOP at the yeah, start of the yeah, season. Yeah, I know. They, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like, hot take. Um, they tried the starter, and they tried the backup, and then they went back to the starter and back to the backup and back to the starter. Like, nothing was working. And they were so hesitant to go with Ford because they don't really think – like, they, they love his athleticism. They just don't think he has the arm strength. But at this point, like forget just the outs for a minute. At this point, who does? Yeah. <laughs> what quarterback out there in the league right now can really stretch the field and sling it? So you have to, when you're winless in the second week of August, you better try something different because everything you've done so far isn't working. Wouldn't that be a story if the Canadian quarterback ends the longest losing skid in professional sports history? I, I mean, look. I think it would the better story would be is if they have a winning streak <laughs> and right. Like imagine Trey Ford, like, look, you and I are, you and I, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, we're putting on our, we're putting on our maple leaf colored glasses here, mm-hmm. but I, you and I like stories and you and I root for Canadians and we root for the Canadian story. What if the winless Edmonton Elks win three in a row with a Canadian at quarterback, a second-year Canadian at quarterback who went to Waterloo, like not a football factory? Yeah. And then what message does that send to all the meathead coaches and personnel people who just, you know, sit back and put their put their arms across their bellies and say, hey, he can't play. He's Canadian. He can't. He's no quarterback. Well, mm-hmm. then it would be Nathan Rourke last year and Trey Ford this year. So 
to shove it. Yeah, I, I hope so. It's got to start with one, and it starts hopefully tonight against a very good Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. You talked about stories. If there's a guy that I know who loves storylines, it's Arash Madani. So uh, <laughs> you would be smiling to cover the game tomorrow, Riders and Montreal Alouettes. There's plots and subplots, and oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait for that game. I'm I'm interested. I know this is easy to say and basic to say, but I really mean this because Balzi, you know how things skinned Cody Fajardo is. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if, like we just talked about, Milos being comfortable in his own skin. I wonder if Cody winds himself up a little too much. Yeah, you, you know how he's wired. You know how he is. Like how much of this for Cody is about executing the game plan. How much of this about Cody is, I'm going to prove them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show all those people who were, you know, he read it. It felt like he read every single one of those mentions on his social media. Um, that's what I'm interested in saying. Look, the Owls have a really good defense, and I think it's going to be a long night for Mason Fine on that offensive line because I think Noel Thorpe's going to mix it up. But I'm intrigued most of all to see how Montreal's quarterback is going to handle the moment and handle the situation. Well, and that's the key. Right now, if there was such an award for assistant coach of the year in the CFL, I'd put Corey Mace of the Argos, Ryan Phillips of the Lions, and Jason Shivers of the Riders, all defensive coordinators in a hat, and you couldn't go wrong drawing one of their names. Jason Shivers... And here's the thing, Balzi. Here's the thing, Balzi. Yeah. And this is, no, this is no slight to Phillips and Shivers. But the gap between one and two... Sure. He's monstrous. Sure, but let's let's like just... Corey Mace is the best position coordinator coach in the league. Like what he dials up, really starting at the Grey Cup last year, they've been masterpieces. Yeah, but having said that, you know, in our most recent sample size, just one game, Jason Shivers' defense was. Uh... Better than Corey Mace's defense. When you think about it, it he only gave wow. up he only gave up one touchdown against the vaunted Argos football team. Mason Fine outplayed Chad Kelly in that game, but I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you. But where I'm going with this to wrap this discussion up, Jason Shivers against Jason Moss. That should be a good one. Yeah, it really should be. And look, I, I know there was one exciting weekend of CFL football from a, you know, last three minutes and shootout yeah. format, but defenses are winning the day because there's no healthy quarterbacks, et cetera. And I will say this. Think about the three names you just mentioned. Yep. Mace, Phillips, Shivers. What's the common denominator? They're Their up. median age is probably 37, yep. 38. You know, relatively fresh off the field, see it from a completely different standpoint, and aren't the people just doing the same thing over and over again? They were probably the players frustrated in their meeting room saying, what are we doing here? And kind of taking notes and planning for a rainy day when they'd be in that position to do it a different way. And I think there's something to be said for having fresh blood and young blood especially on the defensive side of the ball, to disrupt offenses. Well, between the two of us, you're the young blood on this segment. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Always good, Ballsy. Thanks, Tom. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM.
All right, let's keep the show going here. It's brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Uh, they got all the great sports under one roof. They've got an awesome patio when it's not raining outside, and a great menu with many different food and drink off options. Lots of flavors on that menu, so go check it out at the Canadian Brew House. I'm joined by Ben Whiting, PlayNow.com. It's PlayNow Picks, the only legal online gaming site here in the province. And uh, Ben, the former CFLer, Huskies coach, thanks for joining me. Uh, it was quite a win by the Rough Riders last week, wasn't it? Yeah, they had them on the ropes for a while there until they fumbled that QB sneak. And they, I feel like they kind of let him in the game. It was one of those games that was those close at the end but it never really felt like it throughout the game though yeah it's a very good point yeah it was a weird game you thought the riders were more in control than it ended up being but thankfully a redemption game for brett lother hey i want to get your thoughts on mason fine what do you think about how he's playing so far this year uh so far i mean it, it, exactly what you'd want a, a backup to fill in as i mean he, he's doing the best he can with what he's gotten. And I think that's a testament to the Rough Riders receiving core. Obviously, Sean Baines on an absolute heater right now. Uh, Tevin Jones, MLS, and Wynicky when he's in there and healthy. I mean, they really do have quite a talented um, receiving core and a pretty good uh, backfield as well to lean on when the receiving's not doing so well. He has a beautiful touchdown pass down the uh, sidelines, the rider sidelines from uh, Fine to Sean Bain Jr. Let's talk about him. That's where we start playnow.com's uh, uh, picks here with our prop bets. Sean Bain, over or under 64.5 yards in this game in Montreal? I'm going to take the over on this one. Now, that's because he's breaking 20-year-old records. Um, that's not to say that this will uh, slide this week, but I feel like with the amount of targets he's getting, the amount of big plays that he's getting, again, he's one of those players that can make 50, 60 yards in one play, just put the ball in his hands, and I think he has a pretty good shot at getting some yards. So I'm taking the over at 64.5 yards at uh, 1.83 odds. Okay, and uh, speaking of uh, Sean Bain Jr., here's a guy kind of like him, Lucky Whitehead, maybe a little more straight-line speed, the BC Lions uh, receiver. What do you got with him in this in this uh, game against Calgary? Yeah, for sure. So another over-under on receiving yards here for Lucky Whitehead. Uh, 51.5 uh, receiving yards through the air. Now, I think that this line's pretty generous. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel as though Lucky's been having kind of a quiet year mm-hmm. compared to years past. Uh, a couple of injuries here and there. But I think that big playability is still there. Um, that being said, the, the the Blue Bombers are on an absolute heater playing against the, the Lions last year, or last game, which, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for the Lions to make some big plays. I think this is a get-right game for the Lions, the same way it was for the Rough Riders last week. And and I think a 51.5 over for receiving yards for Lucky Whitehead. Again, one of those guys that can make it in just a couple plays. I'm taking the over on this one. Well, and of course he gets his quarterback back too, Vernon Adams Jr., so that'll help out too. Yeah, no doubt. Getting that chemistry back kind of... It brings that uh, confidence back to an offense. That's not to say that Evans wasn't doing a, a good job or anything like that, but you know, when the starter's healthy, you want the starter in. 
that's the guy that you get the most reps with, and that's where you have the most confidence playing. I think it's a coin toss between the Lions and the Bombers for the best receiving core. Which team do you think has the better receiving core? The BC Lions with Hatcher and Rhymes and the aforementioned Lucky Whitehead and uh, Justin McKinnis, or do you think it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Schoen and Lawler and Wollertarski and, and those kind of players? I don't know if it's just going to be my recency bias based on the last game, but right now I'm going to roll with the the Bombers. Every time I throw the tape on, those guys are making plays left, right, and center. And it just seems like that offense is in sync. They haven't really laid many eggs. Again, this is my uh, recency bias talking, but uh, in in the last game they just looked absolutely untouchable. So uh, I'm going to take – Winnipeg's receiving core at this moment in time, but uh, yeah. I mean, it seems to be changing like the seasons here, though. So today it's Winnipeg against Edmonton. And I will say this the Elks, they're still a professional football team. It's not as ugly as people will see it when they look at the record because their defense is pretty good. They're going up against Zach Kalaros. You've got a prop bet on Zach Kalaros. I do. Now, this is kind of a tricky one for me. I just. Uh, Pumped up the tires of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They came off a bye week, and they absolutely fed the lunch to the uh, BC Lions, and they had a gigantic week, which coming into the next week here, as we all know, should almost be like a a bye week, but at at this point in time. (laughs) And for that reason, all everything's telling me Zach Kalaros should be taking the over on 265.5 yards passing. But everything telling me that, my spidey senses are kicking in, which means I think we should take the under on this one, all right? Okay. It's, it's almost a, too much of a comfortability thing. Uh, and so it, it could go either way. Right now I, I'm thinking it's almost like a track get, trap game, mm-hmm. but more of a trap line. So I'm taking the under on Zach Kolaros, uh 265.5 passing yards at 1.83 odds. And, and that's not to say they can't have a, a – a bad game with that under. I mean, the Bombers still have an unbelievable run game as well that they can lean into. Um, but that, that's where my spidey senses are t- kicking in right now. I'm looking forward to seeing how Trey Ford performs getting the start at quarterback for Edmonton. How about you? Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, about time. I mean, <laughs> at this point, I think Edmonton has nothing else to lose. It's kind of what the fans have been asking for. Mind you, the fans aren't the people in the building, but um, I don't know. Personally, I think anytime you can get more Canadians on the field, it's always going to be better for the game. Okay, and lastly, before we tell people how to sign up and everything like that at playnow.com, Riders Alouettes on Friday. Just uh, what do you think is going to happen? How do you see this one shake? Let's go money line. Do you think the Riders win this game, Alouettes? What what are you seeing here? Uh, so, obviously, the big story in this game is playing against the old quarterback. Um, so, Fajardo with the Alouettes and then... Kind of a, a mystery with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders having their backup quarterback in right now, but also coming off of a win. So uh, right now the line set for the money line, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at three odds to the Montreal Alouettes at 1.43. So Montreal's favorite in this one. And it, it's like you said in the previous game, it's kind of a coin toss uh, with the who we think is going to win this one. I want to lean to the Rough Riders, and I am going to lean to the Rough Riders. You know me. I'm never going to bet on Montreal. Mm-hmm. not a big fan of that program, so we're rolling with the Riders. 
They're going to keep going. They're going to feed the, the ball to Bain. Offense is going to be rolling. Defense is going to be rolling. And it, and the Rough Riders are getting back on track here. Hey, you were a special teams demon in your brief time in the CFL. What do you think of the Riders punter, Adam Korzak? He is a weapon. Absolutely. If you, It, it can change the, the outcome of the game. When you go back the next day, look at the tape, and see how far that they can switch field possession – field position it, it absolutely impacts the game having a lights out punter uh it, it it can be all the difference in 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 close games for sure and this is going to be a close game i think okay so how do people sign up playnow.com for sure so you just type in our title playnow.com it'll take you to our landing page and in the top right hand corner there'll be a red icon that says sign up uh, you'll have to enter your personal information in four easy steps. From there, you enter your financial information where it's safe and secure. Uh, of course, playnow.com is the only legal and regulated online gambling website in the province of Saskatchewan. Uh, from there, you have access to over 500 different slot games. We have our live table games. <clears throat> and we also have the Playnow Sportsbook, which we've been talking about uh, uh, with the CFL here. But we don't only have CFL. Uh, we got everything from, you know, beach volleyball, Australian mm-hmm. rules, football, hockey, MMA. I mean, I'm looking at the book now. We even got motocross racing. So there's something for everyone. It's it's easy to sign up. Uh, but, of course, if you're signing up, we ask that you're over the age of 19 and you're using your game sense. We want to make sure gambling is uh, for entertainment and, and making sure we're encouraging healthy play and keeping it fun for our customers. Entertainment's the key word. This is an entertaining segment, and this guy used to play in the Canadian Football League. He's a coach with the Huskies, and he watches game tape like a player and then uses that to give you some uh, little fun tips and betting. Thanks for your time, Ben Whiting. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on again, Ballsy. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Well, Jake, was this one of those games that you, uh, you know you had circled from the day the schedule was released and you found out you were going to be a rough rider? Uh, definitely excited just to go back to Montreal, see a whole bunch of my old uh, teammates and coaches, and even just the the city that uh, was pretty much my second home. Uh, got to live there for a couple years. My daughter was born there, so it'd be pretty special to uh, to go back to Montreal and and also see uh, some old friends. How would you describe your years in Montreal? Well, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of blast. I learned a lot. Uh, I think I. Uh, fell in love with the CFL there, uh, just the game of football, learned to love it even more, got a lot better, grew a lot as a man, um, and yeah, it was just a, it was really a second home for, for our family. Me and my wife, we got married uh, about a week before my rookie year there, so uh, pretty much most of our, our married life was there, so uh, got to spend a lot of time there, and, and it really became home. It's a little, a little bit different now, the fact that you're going back this week, but Trevor Harris is not. Yeah, I wish I wish Trevor. I know he wishes as well that that he was going to. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna live in the present, and uh, definitely gonna be a fun game. I'm not sure how similar the team looks from last year to this year, but when you're watching them on film this week, does it feel a little familiar watching them? Definitely, yeah. It's funny. Like even uh, you look at look at the field and even the scoreboard. It shows the scoreboard every time you watch film right before each play, and it just yeah, it's just it's, that's that's what's familiar. That was all my home games for the last couple of years, uh, so it's kind of cool to to look at that and then also see a lot of familiar faces, guys I went against. Uh, and practice friends of mine on the team so uh, it's definitely fun and, and I've been watching all their games on TV as well too so it's it'll be cool to, to see them all in person. I feel like they're going to give you guys a lot of different looks compared to me with last season your defense would look like on the other side of the ball? Yeah probably most likely. Um, Coach, Coach Thorpe's always got some different things uh, up his sleeve so uh, yeah we're interested to see what kind of looks he'll give us.
did you leave on good terms? Huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Got a great relationship with with all the coaching staff and uh, uh, Danny Machocha there. Uh, so I mean, a lot of great uh, friends of mine on the team as well. And yeah, left on uh, left on good terms and, and definitely enjoyed my time there. Is there motivation though to? Stick it to your former team and, and beat your old team. <laughs> I mean, I think every game you play, you obviously want to win. So, uh, not, not any different than any other game. But uh, definitely looking forward to it and get to play against my old teammates and uh, and just get to see them as well. Is there any Montreal specific thing that you're going to have to do when you get over there? I mean, we're getting in pretty late, so we won't have uh, too much time. But it'd be kind of just cool, I think, just to just to see the city uh, again. I haven't been there for a while, um, so it'd be kind of just cool to, to be back there. Knowing that Montreal doesn't come here in the regular season, is yeah. this one even that much more exciting for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know it's, it's been one time that I get to, to see all those guys and, and play against them, so it's going to be a fun game and, and uh, definitely excited for the opportunity. The short practice week, is that a big effect for you guys this week? I don't think we mind it. I mean, we got we got one great practice today and and uh, we, we know what we got to do. Uh, we've been running these plays for a long time and uh, I feel like we're just getting better and better every single week. Week. Obviously, the more practice days, the, the more you can kind of polish those plays. But uh, I think uh, we feel pretty confident in, in what we're doing, and, and we're excited to, to go out there on Friday and play. In terms of coming back from your injury, you feel like you're coming back into your groove now? Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, the more that you play, kind of getting into midseason form and just getting used to the the routine and the schedule of the weeks and the practices and the games. And, and yeah, now I feel like I'm, I'm kind of back in that and, and uh, learning to stack and, and, and get better every single day. I don't know how involved Trevor really is, but has he been watching film? Montreal or giving you guys any tips about Montreal? Yeah, I mean, he's he's feeling better and better uh, every day, so he's in the, in the facility a little more. The first couple of weeks was was uh, tough, just couldn't move around as much, And but yeah, he's been in a lot now, and, and uh, obviously he knows uh, the team really well, and he's a smart guy and watches a lot of films, so it's nice to have him uh, helping, uh, helping us out, breaking down the film as well. The club let go of veteran receiver and Darrell Walker earlier today. Is it kind of bittersweet in the fact that obviously a veteran's go, a guy, a teammate is gone, but also in the fact that guys like Tevin Jones, Sean Bing Jr., guys have been stepping up this year? Yeah, it's always tough just to, especially when it's uh, any, any one of your teammates goes, it's, it's always tough. And then especially when it's a receiver, uh, a close friend of yours is always tough. And then the, the fact that he was a, an amazing player and an amazing leader for our team too is definitely definitely tough, and, and, and we already miss him a lot. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we got a lot of great guys in this room, and yeah, you look around, and, and I'm just blessed to be able to play with all these guys. And whoever's in there, we got so much confidence that uh, they're going to go out there and ball. With the Riders D lineman Miles Brown, I thought you had a pretty good game last game. Just talk about uh, how you thought you played against Ottawa. Uh, I thought I played well. Um, every week I you know, plan to play well and execute to the best of my ability. So. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the defense has been firing in all cylinders. Talking, uh, talk about uh, you know the success you guys have had in particular the last three weeks. Um, I think we've uh, all committed ourselves to trying to do things right, um, trying to be uh, the, the more right team, mm-hmm. make fewer mistakes than the other team, um, and in doing that, I think we're we're, we're finding ourselves having success. So uh, f- five sacks to start the the season against Edmonton. There was a little bit of a dry uh, dry spell. I think fans and media put too much stock in sacks sometimes, but there's starting to come now what 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 is it that that we're seeing more sacks now um I, I think we're all just on the same page more than we were I mean I don't know I, <laughs> we we work at it every day um we expect five sacks a game we expect to have success so yeah. you know when, when we don't have it we just have to find find the reasons why mm-hmm. uh fix it and get back to doing what we do so I was talking to Peter about on the offensive side uh third and short not getting it but you guys had a big stop third and short on defense what's the key to short yardage situations fire off that ball yeah <laughs> just fire off that ball and, and see what happens it's a, it's a real pride play though isn't it it can be it can be 
Yeah. And uh, pad level's probably uh, pretty important, Absolutely. too. Yeah. Absolutely. Pad level and power. Yeah. Will. So uh, you're a little bit more of a veteran here now. What's the comfortability like for you now in Rider Nation with this team, with this game, the CFL? Um, I feel more in place. Uh, it's easier for me to, you know, be comfortable um, playing. Uh, and um, it's in terms of like the mental aspect, I think, I think it, it takes a lot off of you. Uh, I know in the last few years for me, it's been, you know, pretty shaky and yeah. not knowing what's going to happen and moving around and all that stuff. Uh, you know, that was tough. So now it's, it feels good to kind of have a little bit of, of ease or yeah. sense of ease, I guess. Uh, my second year doing this job, traveling with the team on the plane, I, I you know, I got a sense of, um, you know, these aren't just robots. These are people. So how do you deal with the mentality? Like you were talking about the stress, the insecurity of football. This is a very insecure business. Yeah, it is. Um, and I mean, I think everybody's different. Uh, so you just find ways to deal with it. Uh, sometimes they aren't the most healthy. Sometimes they are. Sometimes, you know, yeah. I, I think in all, you know, you've, you've in, in finding solutions, you just kind of got to do what you got to do. Um, and let it play out. Yeah. Trust you, God that it'll, that it'll happen in the way that you need it to. Do you rely on any teammates or any family members or stuff? I know my son's in college playing football. We talk it out quite a bit. Is there anybody like that outside the game for you or inside the game for you? Yeah, yeah my family's huge for me. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big village person. I believe in, uh, you know, God putting people in certain places uh, for certain things. And uh, I, I'm just grateful for everyone that I have around me uh, who I can confide in when I need to, everyone that I can, uh, you know, laugh with, uh, especially like my teammates. One thing I enjoy the most is that we laugh. We laugh all day long. And it's like I'm laughing for just thinking about laughing with them. Like that, that's something that we do, and I, and I appreciate that. How grateful are you for the Canadian Football League? I have a job, man. I, w- I was at home for a long time, um, and I'm I'm extremely grateful for it. I'm extremely grateful to be here. I'm extremely grateful to God that I have this opportunity. Um, it hasn't always been like this, uh, and and I recognize that, and so I'm 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 thankful that I have this. I don't think people realize uh, an American coming to the CFL and the the faster play clock and the one the one yard off the ball. Just how much of a difference it is to get acclimatized to that. Do you feel like you've got it down now? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm vetted in that sense for sure. Uh, the game is feels a lot easier. I, you know, I'm I'm way more comfortable. Uh, I, I'm feeling like I'm playing better. You know, so. What's the key when you're trying to deal with backs like Olette, Harris in Toronto, and now a big guy like Stan Beck in Montreal? Uh, I believe in myself more than I do believe in them. Yeah. I don't even know those guys. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if they run in the middle, they got they they gonna have to deal with me. Is yeah. how I think about yeah. it. Yeah. I think the key though too though when you're talking big backs, take the name out of it. You want to win that line of scrimmage, Absolutely. right? Re- reset the line of scrimmage. For sure. Right. For sure. Uh, yeah. No matter who's back there, um, you know. If any inside run play, outside run play, any run play, that, that to me in my mind, that is a D-line play typically until it spills out to the outside. And as long as it, there is a, a, you know, the ball's in the hands of a running back, we, we have to, I think that our, our D-line, for me at least, at D-line, that's my play to make. Good luck in Montreal. Thank you. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Today's show is brought to you by golf. Hey, quick note to the networks. It really doesn't need slow motion replay. It's slow enough. Just saying.
Uh, let's get out to the links and our friend Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. And I'm doing great, too. Uh, positivity. I like positivity. Good, Brian. Absolutely. Yeah, positivity is the way to go. It's, it's a lot easier to be negative. Uh, you can't find much negativity on a golf course, especially out of Flowing Springs. Tell us what you got out there. Well, not these days. It's been great out here. The course is nice and green and lush. Uh, we have a great water supply here, so uh, so we're not hurting for water. And uh, the course has been busy. We had a real nice weekend, and uh, we got some great specials, of course. Uh, Monday and Wednesday, if you're a lady or a senior over 60, $32 to come out and play the golf course. And if you're neither a lady or a senior, uh, how about... $42 instead of the wow. normal $55. So some great fees there. Uh, twilight starts at 3 o'clock, $35. Our late twilight starts at 6, only $19 to walk the golf course. And don't forget, if you just feel like playing nine holes, we got a great rate of $41 for a nine-hole rate, and we have seniors rates and junior rates as well. That's great. And that really is kind of a deterrent at times is the price with anything, not just golf. So it's good that you can give a nice little nine-hole discount there. No, exactly. And like I say, sometimes that's maybe all you have time for or maybe you're all you're up for. So, yeah, it works out really well. And if you, we have this fabulous driving range. Maybe we don't talk about it enough, but mm-hmm. it's huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, lots of target greens and uh, lots and lots of room. We don't have to take a booking to use the driving range. And uh, it's always available to you as long as the course is open. I'm coming out to see you on the bye week. I for sure will be out there after the BC Lions game, okay? That'll be awesome. Awesome. So how do they join me out there at Flowing Springs, Brian? All you have to do is give us a call at 306-543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. Take care, my friend. Thanks. Talk to you uh, Talk to you later, okay? You betcha. Take care. All right. That's Brian Raymond joining us. Our Thursday show brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. We're joined by our color commentator, Luke Mullender, ahead of the game tomorrow, the Rough Riders and the Montreal Alouettes. I'm really salivating on this one, Luke. A couple of great storylines. I don't think... I don't think, they won't admit it, but I don't think Craig Dickinson and Jason Moss really got along there when they were together. (laughs) It's funny you say that, yeah. You know what, I mean, they didn't necessarily have the greatest situation, right? Jason Moss came in. um, I think that probably one of the things that the riders had to deal with was the constant sort of understanding that this was a guy that was going to come in, try to make the offense what it could be, but also he was going to also be a a head coaching candidate um, in another organization, right? The Mm -hmm. whole year. I think that was understood. I think that Jason Moss is, he's not the most outgoing guy either, right? He's a bit of an introvert, which is, which is fine. But you know, when you're, when you're trying to, uh, when you're trying to create that family culture, right? um, um, Introverts aren't necessarily, um, you know, jumping at the opportunities to go out to dinner, and you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just don't think the uh, the stars aligned. Um, I, I wouldn't say they disliked each other. I just say I just would say they were never on the same page. But also, I mean, you know, I've talked a lot about it last year, uh, especially. I, I didn't think that Cody and Jason Moss were on the same page either. And uh, now it looks like they're they're starting to create something um, a little bit more consistent over there in Montreal. 
And uh, right now, obviously, the question is whether Cody goes or not. Yeah, so I think I think they were together because after the free agency musical chair stopped, I mean, what was Moss going to do? So he has Cody there because Trevor Harris, he told me, Trevor Harris said, if the ownership group would have been more stable, I would have stayed in Montreal. So he ends up in Saskatchewan, and Jason has a familiar guy in Cody Fajardo. Cody, I think, is the comeback player of the year right now. Uh, but that's an interesting matchup. You got Mason Fine and Cody Fajardo, who are still, I guess good friends and both of them are tough quarterbacks you got to give Cody that he's tough physically and so is Mason Fine he's proving that yeah I'm I've been really impressed with Mason Fine I think that um the the more confidence the coaching staff shows in him um the the more he's going to continue to excel I absolutely love the way he talks um he talks like a quarterback that is leading huddles um, it's never necessarily about him. It's always about looking forward. It's always about improving and it's always about getting the job done with himself and his teammates. So, um, anytime you have a guy like that, um, you're going to have a chance for success. Obviously coaching got a lot to do with it. You got to put your guys in a position to achieve success. Um, but Montreal, I mean, it's going to be a similar game to the Ottawa Red Blacks, right? They're a tough, tough team. They play physical brand of football on defense and they're built on, you know, that running back they got their stand back and the ability to to run the ball on the ground. Yeah, so uh I I got I got to have you take us in the trenches, okay? Luke Molander, what the heck can be going on with this third and short? I get it. You you don't get it once in a while, but I think the Riders just off the top of my head, they're probably clicking at a 60% rate second and third and short. Like it's pretty bad. Yeah, I think that at some point, what offenses have to have to understand about third and short is you're not out there to fool anybody, right? The only time you're out there to fool somebody is when you actually dial up the play, sort of like what we did in the first quarter with Dolgala out there, you know, acting like he was going to take the snap and then jumping down into, right? Because it was mm-hmm. a different look. Mm-hmm. But when you're third and short and you're on – whatever yard line and and your quarterback's lined up over top, you're not trying to fool anybody, right? The defense isn't going to be fooled. The defensive line guys, they're coming out of their hips regardless of what you do. They'll react if you do, you know, run a play action pass, hopefully, or something like that. But for the most part, they're going to, they're meeting at the line of scrimmage head to head with that offensive lineman. So I think that when you look at the riders situation and these third and shorts, like go out there and just be aggressive, right? Everybody knows what you're going to do. That's, that's probably one of the toughest things to stop about an offense. When an offense looks in your eyes and said, Hey, we're coming right to this gap and it's going to be your job to stop us. Good luck. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have to go out there. Like guys watch film, right? Guys, defensive line tendencies, man. I, I remember John chick, I, you know, actually no personally in a labor day game, I made, pretty good goal line stop um you know against the winnipeg blue bombers i think it was i can't remember 2008 maybe yeah but the reason i bring that up is because i was watching film and the guard over top of me he was leaning to his left and i recognize oh man when he leans to his left on film he goes i'm just gonna go here right i'm just gonna shoot this gap because he's going down he's trying to cut me off he's not coming right out at me right so guys watch film too don't make it a secret come out there and be like look we're running it right at you number whatever 
Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Good luck. So Edmonton, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Hey, Edmonton's playing Ham uh, Winnipeg tonight, and Trey Ford gets a shot at quarterback. So we'll see how the young guy does again. Uh, starting, <laughs> yeah, well. starting, right? Yeah, well, uh, Edmonton's a lot like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? On offensively, especially, they're not going to beat um, a team on the shoulders of one guy. They're going to need a, a Herculean effort from whoever's out there, but they also need help from from their receiving core, their running back, special teams. It's all, you know, Edmonton's Edmonton's not just a quarterback issue at this point. I think so. Hopefully, um, hopefully they can they can beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Obviously for Rider Nation, right? Because we'd like to, we'd like to get a little bit closer to the top. Right now, though, Ballsy man, I mean, you look at it. There's only three teams with six wins in this league. You know, and you know how it goes, man. Six teams make the playoffs. So it's anybody's game, and that's why what makes this game in Montreal so, so important, and really for both teams. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you look at uh, Montreal's beat Hamilton twice. They've had common opponents, Ottawa and Calgary, and they beat them. And, of course, the Rough Riders, we know they beat the Elks, Calgary, and Ottawa. Uh, I really feel, though, with this defense, Luke, on a short week, that is, uh, that's what's uh, maybe going to, to, to help the Riders uh, get over the top here in this short week. And I'd like to see a rebound game from Mario Alfred. I think we will. Yeah, you know what? I, I think that that's, that's the first thing is Mario Alfred and the special teams in general, right? Coverage, uh, a coverage team. So punt return, kickoff, uh, sorry, punt, uh, cover, kickoff cover. That has to be better. Mario Alford, I mean, everybody's allowed to have an off game. And so let's just chalk that one up to him. There's his off game for the year. Um, good it came in a game that we got the win in and good that it didn't really hurt the team um, when it came to a loss. Um, most of all, though, you know, the CFL talks so much about player stats. And, you know, we always have the player of the month and, and, and all of these awards. Uh, somebody's got to start talking about Jason Shivers and his ability to scheme up because the things that he's cooked up against the individual opponents that they've last seen. So BC, Toronto, and Ottawa specifically, everything there was, there was some real differences in the way they approached those teams. Um, and, and he needs some credit because nobody's talking about him. And um, I, I really think that we're missing just one of the better coaching efforts um, in, in this, in this last month or so, uh, in the Canadian football league. And, and when you think about coaches in this league, one of the things that jumps out at you right now is the absolute stud that we have at the defensive coordinator position. You've got Jason Shivers here. You've got Ryan Phillips and you've got Corey Mace out in Toronto, man. Those are three young guys putting on a clinic when it comes to scheme, man. It's great to see. Yeah. Good point, Luke. Thanks for your time, man. I can't wait to be in the booth with you in Montreal tomorrow. Let's go get it, man. Let's grab some smoked wheat and get a win. <laughs> Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. For another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Yeah, it's our pick six with our betting expert Andy McNamara on the show. So, Andy, I want to talk about six AFC quarterbacks worth watching in terms of their story. Okay, uh, let's go. Let's go number six. Tua Tungavailoa, can he overcome injury and get Miami into the playoffs and do something? That's a key for me. 
Ballsy would be a great story. I'd love to sit here and say, yes, we're going to see a great comeback and an overcoming of, but no, no Ballsy. No, it's, it's not happening. And, and it's not a, a, uh, to a stinks. He's not when he's in there. We saw the dolphins, I think went six in a row and he, he looks more than competent, but those injuries he suffered are horrifying. Mm-hmm. The head injuries, not to mention that all the other nagging things, the ankle, the wrist, the thumb, the, 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 all throughout college, He's just not durable enough, and we're setting ourselves up yet again, unfortunately, to see Tua have an early exit to the season, and I just hope it's not from another headshot. So, no, I think the Dolphins are going to be in total retool mode after this year, and you got to wonder this, too. How long is Tyreek Hill going to stay quiet? This guy wants the football in his hands. Yeah, he's a diva receiver, no doubt about it. This guy's got two excellent receivers. He's got a great running back out of the backfield. He's got probably his team's best O-line since like 2008, and he's got a fat contract, Justin Herbert, (laughs) with a new offensive coordinator. I'm interested to see what Justin Herbert can do. Yeah, your guy, man. Yes, uh, this is... This is perfect timing for Justin Herbert um, because now what we see is a guy who, who's got that second contract. You don't have that lingering over you, right? 2020 uh, first-round pick, so now he's entering what it's a third full season. So now it's time. Now it's time to take that next step. You still have weapons. The receiver's getting a little older, but you still have, you have some rejuvenation. And what you said I think was key, new offensive coordinator, new ideas. He's got the arm. He's got the leg. He's got the size. I call him Josh Allen light this year, ballsy. We could just be calling him Justin Herbert. Never mind any Josh Allen comparisons. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Number four, AFC quarterback worth uh, watching or his storyline. Anyway, Mac Jones. I mean, he's easily, (laughs) he's easily the fourth best quarterback in that division now. And I mean, I just don't see a way the Patriots make the playoffs. Uh, no, Tua on the bench is uh, a better option than Mac Jones on the field. Baldy, okay, <laughs> let's let. And, and here's the thing: coming out of college, we knew everybody knew if the Patriots did not take Mac Jones in that first round, like that guy was dropping to the third round or beyond. It was happening. It, but everyone, okay, smart. You know, he can run the Patriots' offense. He can dink and dunk, cerebral. Okay, Patriots will take him. There is nothing exceptional about Mac Jones. That's the problem, except for his name, his real-life name of McCorkle, which is hilarious. That is it's, crazy. It's a, it's a <laughs> funny name, Fawzi, damn it. And it, the thing is, there's nothing remarkable about him. Does he have a, a big arm? No. Is it okay? Yes. Everything is just okay. He's smart, but you and I are kind of smart, Fawzi, and we can't play quarterback for the New England Patriots. The, the wide receiver group, Devontae Parker over the hill. Kendrick Bourne, just a guy. Juju Smith-Schuster, a good number two. Number one, dude's a diva. Ramondre Stevenson, a great running back. So he's got some pieces around him. If the offensive line, you're out with Matt Patricia, you have Bill O'Brien back, should that help a bit? Maybe. But this guy's floor is high and the ceiling is really low. Uh, Patriots missed the playoffs. And he has a terrible name, McCorkle. That's just terrible. Right? That's just like that's a li- on, that's a librarian name. That is awful. That, yes. I, I'd literally sue my parents because of that. That's terrible. I, I, yes, me too. <laughs> M- M- McCorkle. Good lord. That sounds Come like on. he should be on Family Matters with yes. Urkel. With He's Urkel's Urkel. cousin. McCorkle, you. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's the best. Number three. <laughs> number three on the pick six. The AFC quarterback worth watching is your guy, Deshaun Watson. He's got to earn oh. that money now. Yeah, man. It's you know what? It's um it's projection. It's it's hope he can return to 2019, 2020 Deshaun Watson. Bottom line is Baldy. 
We don't know. Now, for my Cleveland people on the ground, in practice, the guy's exceptional. Leadership through the roof. The players love him. If we park, if we just talk football, park the distractions out of there. There is no distractions that we hope coming more so in this year. It's a full season with an offense tailored to him. People say, there's six games. Andy, he looked terrible last year. Yeah, he was running a Jacoby Brissett offense, man. And he hadn't played in 700 days. Here's the, here is the mantra for this Brown season for the whole team. No excuses. And that includes Deshaun Watson. He has an amazing receiving core. And Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cedric Tillman, Ballsy, a Dynasty Keeper League folks for your fantasy team. Cedric Tillman's going to be a player. You can mark that and take that to the bank. And Elijah Moore, get him as a flex player. They have a variety. You got Nick Chubb. You got one of the best O-lines in football. Outside of the left tackle, struggling a little bit. Defense is complete. Everything's lining up for Deshaun Watson. The question is... When it counts for real, can he dial it back to those 2020, 2019 years? We're going to find out. Aaron Rodgers is trying to rebrand himself. He gave back <laughs> He gave back $35 million. He didn't restructure. He gave it back because he wants more weapons. Um, what do you think he's going to do in New York? Yeah, that, that's wild. Now, there was reports out uh, uh, the other day that you know, it's the joint practices with the Panthers, the Jets saw the first bit of frustration out of Aaron Rodgers, which we saw things go really south in Green Bay, but you're right. That restructure, that was a message. Also a slap to Green Bay. Yeah. Right, like, what, what guy? What? what? Yeah. You're going to do that for us? No kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> he wanted out. This, so it, when we talked about uh, two other AFC East teams, AFC East heavy uh, storylines in this, in this conversation here, Tua, no. McCorkle Jones, no. <laughs> so now it's between the Jets and the Bills. Bills still win this division, but – what does Aaron Rodgers do for this team? Well, can Brees Hall get back? You do have nice compliments in Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight that can fill the gap. Garrett Wilson, oh my. I want a Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, fantasy football stack on my team desperately. Um, he's got his comfort blanket, Alan Lazar. That's fun. Corey Davis. Aaron Rodgers, we know, has made normal guys look great and great guys look like Hall of Famers. So it's not so much the talent around. I think he has the right pieces this is an all-in move for the Jets. And, Baldy, I kind of like it. Like, all teams, all teams, right, do you always want to be stuck in the middle or do you want to go for it? The Jets are like, man, you know, this doesn't work. Everyone's getting fired anyway. Let's go. We're not doing it with Zach Wilson. Let's go with Aaron Rodgers. I think they have a good season, make the playoffs as a wild card. Okay, good. And lastly, my top quarterback to watch in the AFC in this pick six, just his storyline. Don't say I like him, but is, is Russ, is Peyton going to make Russ cook or is Russ cooked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, Peyton's going to be cooked after he was calling out Nathaniel Hackett. No kidding, yeah. My, whoo, you know what? That was all calculated, though, Ballsy, right? Yeah. Everyone's talking about him, not about Russ Wilson. It, it's calculated. He's a jerk. He wasn't wrong with what he said, though. No. But he, he, you know, he's a jerk, unnecessary. Yeah. Um, Russell Wilson still has all the tools around him. Okay, let's look. Jerry, Judy, Corlin Sutton, when healthy, and that's been an issue are outstanding receivers. Marvin Mims Jr., underrated guy. I think you could pop him in the slot. Um, the tight ends, fine. Dolchich did okay. Trevin, bottom line, again, you got, just like all these quarterbacks we talk about outside of New England, you got the weapons. You got the pieces. Um, you have, their running backs are okay, but that's fine. Russ can roll out. Um, this, I don't think he's finished. I think Champagne is going to get the best out of him. Um, the question is, I think mental strength for Russ Wilson, because when you got all that money, you got the superstar wife. At what point is it like, eh, football is just not that important to me. We don't know the internal makeup of him. Is it going to be that pride? I'll show you. Or is it like, yeah, well, 
Nope. We don't know. If he comes out with, it's not going to be based off of lack of talent around him. Every single thing is there for Russell Wilson to succeed. Granted, in an extremely tough division, that includes the Chiefs and your Chargers and the Raiders, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's going to be difficult. And here's the thing. We're going to see at least one very good team not make the playoffs in the AFC because of how stacked this conference is. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's really stacked, and the NFC is just kind of, eh. Uh, yeah, it's the yeah. Eagles. That's it. Yeah, where can we uh, find your stuff? Oh, man, get me on Twitter, at AndyMC81, Instagram, and TikTok, at AndyMCSports. Lots of fun stuff uh, going on there. Lots of Lots of football, baby. Can't wait. Thanks, Andy. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. But let's get to Lake Corte Moore. Got his first professional sack, UBC Thunderbird. How did that feel, big fella? It was amazing. It was an awesome experience, and I hope to get a lot more. Man, you had a spring in your step after that one. What was that? This defense is firing on all cylinders. Talk about that for me. Yeah, this this defense is is going off right now. Like uh, we have confidence in each other, every single one of us. Uh, no matter who's in there, whether you're second string, first string, uh, we all got confidence in each other. And and Coach Shives is an amazing DC. Uh, he puts us right in the right spot at the right time, and and we just go out there and we execute and um, all believe in each other and, and keep pushing for greatness. Besides your. Um... Mr. Uh, Coach Kyle said, and besides uh, uh, Jason Shivers, who's taken you under his wing so far? Uh, you know, to get you acclimatized to professional football because it is a step up. Yeah, I would say that all the veterans on our team, honestly, um, but closely on our in our D line group, uh, Pete uh, Robertson and and Aunt Lanier have have been there with me and, and teach me everything every single practice. They they got my back. They know that when I go out there. Um, I'm going to give it my all, and, and obviously it is my first year, and there's things i got to learn, but um, they know that, that I'm willing to do what it takes. And, and then also having the, the presence of Micah Johnson on that D-line as well is, has been huge just in terms of everything. That guy's been through it all, um, and he's, he's, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer, that's for sure, and he's still playing at, at a very, very high level. So it's been awesome to work underneath those guys and, and play with them, and, and they've definitely taken me under their, their wings and taught me everything that uh, I've been learning and working on this year. Lake Corte Moore joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Got his first professional quarterback sack against Ottawa, one of six. Um, so you're, you're, uh, you're, you've played the equivalent of over a U-sports season now. They talk about guys hitting a wall. Uh, have you hit a wall yet? Have you noticed your legs getting a bit heavy? Uh, I'd say it's maybe at the beginning of the year, just how quick training camp to uh, the season came. It was definitely a, a little bit of a shock, but I feel like now I'm starting to get my groove more so um, than, than, than lose it or hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty nice to, to kind of have the few games on the belt, and now it's starting to pick up and, and get after it and get more competitive. How do you? I, I hear this a lot from young guys. Just learning how to be a pro. I, I'm learning how to be a pro. What does that mean to learn how to be a pro? Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing is is you got to be able to take care of your body and and use all the free time. I guess you would have uh, to your advantage. I know in school, all that free time that you had, you'd be doing schoolwork and all that. And now it's more so taking care of your body and um, getting yourself in the in the film in the playbook. 
And then I guess the other thing too is, is there's not a hundred bodies out there. Um, so it's not like university football where the next man up and it is next man up, but it's one of those things where we aren't practicing every day to, to go after it a hundred percent and things like that. It's more, uh, mental stuff when it comes to practice than physical, um, in terms of the difference from university to here. So I guess that's the biggest thing with just playing like a pro and, and, uh, just using your tools to, be the best version of yourself and, and help the team out as much as possible. This is Lake Corte Moore joining us. Have you had family come out and watch you play yet? Yeah, yeah, they've been out. They've been out a few times now. Uh, they've they've had their their fun in in Regina. They've got they stayed at the hotel Scott's or Hotel Regina there, and they loved it. And um, they they want to keep coming back. So. What's it like? Uh, what's it like awesome. for you? You rolled through here, UBC Thunderbird, and unfortunately, people don't, and I, I don't know why, but they don't soak up uh, watching the Corte Moors and those guys at U Sports level. It's pro- it's a marketing thing. There's no doubt about it. Different priorities at the university level as opposed to the um, American college system. But what's it like for you to to play in this atmosphere now as a professional? The the cathedral of football on the prairies. Yeah, I would say the biggest difference is is I've I've played in Mosaic a few times now over my career, um, and I, I'd say it's it's not even close to being full. So, um, being able to play in that stadium with with it being full and packed, and, and hearing the noise that it, that it makes, and seeing the support of everyone and all the fans, it's it's been amazing just to see how big football really is here and how big the riders are. Yeah, you pr- you probably don't know you probably don't know till you get here, right, Lake? And it's a great place. Well, it's a great place all the time, but it's a great place when you're winning. When you're losing, though, maybe sometimes you don't want to walk outside because people always have an opinion. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, everyone's so even when we when we have been losing, everyone's been so supportive, and and everyone's got our back, and they feel like we. We've got we got a lot of good football in us, and and we can keep keep getting better. Mm-hmm. So it's been awesome, and no matter what, I think people are are still going to be fans and want to want to support uh, this team. Uh, your friend Anthony Lanier the second was our defensive game star because he had five tackles and a hat trick of sacks against Ottawa. But he was more excited when I brought up the fact you had your quarterback sack. He almost jumped through the late uh, the radio, to, and he said he was like shedding some tears when he had the sack. What does that mean to you to have a guy like that, highest paid defender American wise in the CFL, and he's that jacked to see you get a quarterback sack? Yeah, it's amazing. That guy's awesome. Um, I was I was even more excited tonight uh, or last night, sorry, um, two nights ago uh, for his three three sacks. That was just awesome to see him put that together this year. Um, he's gotten so close every single game, so it was nice to see him get three. And I, I know that that's not going to be. It wasn't his only three sack game, and it's not going to be his last. That's for sure. And um, I, I'm more excited for him. Uh, for that than, than just my one sack, that's for sure. The most glamorous position in football, and it's also the hardest position, no disrespect to you because you have a tough position, but it's the quarterback position. I think you know that since you've played in this game long enough at the amateur and now pro level. Um, it's funny because Lake Corte Moore's pl- uh, playing and nobody's calling the call-in show after saying they should bench Lake Corte Moore. He doesn't know what he's doing, okay? They don't do that. But they call in and they say, hey, Mason, Nye- Mason a fine, pardon me, we should put him on the bench. He- uh, you know, he hasn't led any touchdown drives and anything like that. Just talk about not only that guy's mental toughness, but physical toughness. And I know you're on the defensive side of things, but the quarterback is the leader of the team. And right now he is your leader with Trevor Harris out. 
Yeah, no, Mason's an amazing guy. He's an amazing warrior, amazing player. Um, no matter what, um, he's he's our starting quarterback right now, and we and we as a defense and stuff we have his back. So um, he's a great player and a great leader, and he's come in and, and taken that role um, from Trevor, who is also a great leader and who's still around the building and is there for every single one of our guys. Mason's come in and taken that leadership role, and, and we we. We've got his back uh, no matter what for the rest of the year, and we're confident in him, and, and we're just going to keep on going and hopefully stack up a lot more wins just like this weekend. Yeah, so you're uh, you're a kid yourself, so I don't want to make it look like you're a gray beard, but do, is it talked about on the defensive side of things? Hey, we got a, we got a quarterback here that's learning. We're going to have to pick it up defensively because the last three weeks, uh, you guys have really done a great job defensively limiting the other team to touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I don't think we think of it in that aspect of it. Uh, we have confidence in, in our entire offense, and we have confidence in Mason that they're they're going to score on every single drive, and we hope that that's the case. But um, of course, just as a defense, you want to make sure that that team that other team doesn't score, and if they get into your zone, hold them to at least a, a field goal or try and take it away. But um, I don't think we're looking at it as we we got to protect our offense or protect Mason. Uh, as a at quarterback, we we just got to keep doing what we got to do, and we got to put the team in the best uh, possible situation as, uh, that we can as a defense, and just go out there and make plays. And, and every single game, we're trying to get that ball in the end zone as well. So yeah, are your, uh, that's something that I hope to get. We we hope to get done uh, going forward. Are your teammates Jack to go against their old buddy Cody Fajardo? You were in his teammate, but you got a lot of guys like Lanier and Pete Robertson, Larry Dean, Tights, Moncrief. They were uh, Cody's teammate. Yeah, no, we we haven't uh, talked much about that, but they're definitely just excited to get it back out there after the game we just had, and and we want to keep on doing a lot better this year and uh, I bet you it, it will be a little different for them because I know at practice you can't really get near a quarterback so for the past few years they haven't been able to get near him so uh, I think those guys may may uh, chuckle or have a good time if, if they get near him this game. Yeah for sure and lastly I guess it's a week of mental reps right because you only got one real practice on the field so it's more mental reps and getting that in check right for the game? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be it'll be good. We already are on to the film and everything. We had our meeting today, so um, getting ready for Montreal and, and hopefully coming off this good win and good defense for performance and everything. We just keep on going, and, and we have the confidence. And uh, one practice week doesn't matter. It's, it's pro football, and we just got to keep going and get to the next game. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Press coverage brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Our show on a Thursday brought to you by the great gang over there at the Canadian Brew House. All the sports under one roof you can handle. A great patio and an awesome menu with many different food and drink options. I'm joined on the phone by Glenn Suter getting set for the Edmonton football game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Wouldn't it be something if Edmonton found a win against a juggernaut team like this? Yeah, I mean, you know, they've got to break this. This, I don't think it's a streak. What do you call it? Skid. It, it, it's, it's a skid. Yeah, it's a skid, exactly. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm intrigued by Trey Ford. I, I just, we think about the... Two weeks ago, what the coach said about Trey, that he just wasn't good enough in camp, and that's why he was demoted to the third string, 
And that was all of what, 10 days ago, 12 days ago. And now Trey Ford is starting. So I guess the intriguing part for me here is how is, does he really know that he has the coach's blessing almost? Does he, is, is the coach behind him and in his corner, even though he's starting him? I mean, I guess he has to go out and earn it. And so does every player on every down, but, um, it's just a really weird situation, and it's it is throwing Trey Ford into a into a game where he's playing against the best one of the best teams in the league. So it's it's going to be a challenge, but I'm intrigued to see how he handles it. These teams were uh, powerhouses back when you played and into the '90s. There, uh, one of the guys that lined up for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joined me on the show. That's James Murphy in our "Where Are They Now" segment because he's going into their Ring of Honor. I believe he's the 15th guy to go in. You went against James Murphy. What made him so good? A couple of things. First of all, tough as nails. Like um, really hard to target because of his size, and he was kind of compact but low to the ground. Um, you know, not, not, he ran differently than pinball Clements, but he had sort of a, a, you know, he was short center of gravity was low and it was hard to really target him and get a good shot on him. And then when you did, he just got up without any issues ever. You, you couldn't intimidate <laughs> him. Uh, he could, he could run every route on the tree, but, uh, he had also had very deceptive speed. So when you add them all up, it, it makes for, sort of a different body type, but the G Roy Simon type of receiver that could do it all. And, you know, I think that's what James Murphy was. But the first thing that jumped to my mind when you said it, Michael was his toughness because you just hit him and he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even flinch. Yeah. And uh, he wore a weird receiver number back in the day, 21 when it, when he didn't wear numbers like that. So he stood out that way too. Yeah, he he did, but he also stood out by his body type. You know that at the time, you you always think of receivers to be sort of six foot to six three, um, more slender type players that can run fast and run routes and have great hands, but aren't necessarily built you know low to the ground and and thick. And that's what and that's what Murphy was. He was like he he was almost like a small tailback running routes. And then when he got it in the open field, you had to really break down to tackle him because, like I said, he just he just was this compact, hard-running guy and uh, very difficult to break down. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, you uh, get two great games. You get Edmonton, Winnipeg. I think it'll be better than people think. And Winnipeg has – I don't know who has the better receiving core, Winnipeg or BC, but you get to watch two dandies. Yeah, yeah, and that's a big game. You know, I think – Calgary making a statement of some kind with their win against Toronto and beating an unbeaten team at the time. And I know Chad Kelly went down, but that didn't, you know, change that Diedrich Mills rushed for 137 yards. Uh, Chad Kelly had nothing to do with that. So, you know, I, I think they, they maybe showed some other teams how there's might be some, some, you know, areas that you can exploit against the Toronto defense. We we all thought they had the top, you know, front seven in the league. So, you know, I, I think when you when you look at this matchup, the Calgary Stampeders coming off a big win and then the BC Lions really hungry because they just got it handed to them by Winnipeg. Um, this makes for an interesting Western matchup. I'm really looking forward to that one on Saturday. Hey, why do you think so many players are going down this year to injury, especially the quarterback spot? It's been weird. Uh, yeah, the quarterback spot is kind of hard to 
you know, figure out. I think it's more bad luck than anything. I, you know, I think sometimes this stuff goes in cycles. Sometimes, you know, a team will lose all his, their receivers and then the next, the next year they lose all their linebackers and they have to figure out how to fill those gaps. And, you know, I, I will say that overall, and I know they're doing studies on this. As a matter of fact, I just heard from the league office that they're, they're accumulating right now tons of data on injuries. And in an effort to increase the level of player safety awareness, uh, they're trying to figure out if there's any trends that can be averted, any trends that they could try and change so that there are less injuries because, you know, player safety, we got to keep our star players on the field. Here's, Here's the easiest way. Well, I won't say easiest because you need more revenues, but here's the way you do it. Um, you increase the roster size. Because there's still too many receivers, too many starting linebackers, too many starting DBs that are on cover teams. So we have to work towards new revenues. The new revenues have to go straight to great bigger rosters. Now you have full special team units, and those guys aren't on the starting offense or the starting defense. So therefore, fatigue no longer becomes a factor. Let me ask you this. We're both Canadian advocates, so this isn't a shot at Canadians, but you and I had brought this up a while ago because coaches get, um, you know, a lot of them go into camp and they say, okay, we got to dress seven Canadians, so we'll put uh, three on the offensive line or four, and we'll put, we, we can't really have a Canadian starting corner. You know what I mean? That mentality. Yep. How about, yep. hey, you dress four Canadians on the O-line, good for you, but you only get credit for two. How about that? Because I think that's where there's a bit of a gap. There's no disrespect to our Canadian offensive lineman, but going against the guy at the UFC and going against the guy uh, from Florida State, it's a bit of a, uh, a shock, and I think think we need to maybe look at that where we limit in each area where you put the starting Canadians. How do you feel about that? Well, you know what, Michael, I, I think when you really examine where the pressure is coming on quarterbacks, it's off the edges more than anything. I mean, you know, there are the Micah Johnsons of the world that do a good job from the defensive tackle position, but you know, I, I think a lot of the pressure, if you really break it down is coming from the edges and on the edges on every team, it's American tackles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I think that's something to think about because not not because Canadians can't, you know, hold their own or, or be all-stars on the O-line because they can. I mean, there was concern uh, when Calgary played Toronto that Bryce Bell playing tackle could not handle the, you know, the front four for the Argos. Mm-hmm. Well, they rushed, they rushed for 137 yards and Bell had a fantastic game yeah. at tackle. So, you know, I think Canadians can do it. But to your point, if coaches want to change the ratio, they can change it any way they want. A coach can play five American offensive linemen if they want. So if if you want to complain about our offensive line is not good enough and you want to use the excuse that it's the Canadians that are the problem, well, then dress Americans up there and let's see. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And the Rough Riders here have gone with a lot of Canadian receivers, so they have kind of bucked the trend there. Unfortunately, they've most of them have been injured. And just before we go to break, the cruel side of the business, Darrell Walker comes over here to the Rough Riders, one of those 30-something players, has a decent first game but gets injured and can't find his way back on because the Rough Riders have found something in Tevin Jones, Sean Bain Jr., now the latest, Jareth Stearns, who kind of reminds me a little of, you know, a, a Terry Vaughn, or even a Weston Dressler. Yeah, you know, you know what? When you when 
when we've talked about what makes your team better, and when you look at the great teams, what makes them better is the depth they have on the depth chart. So the guy behind you as a starter, the guy behind you on the depth chart is the best way to get the most out of the starters. And you can have any speech you want as a coach. You can try different things in practice. You can have a different look and playbook than anyone else. And all of that really doesn't matter. What matters most is that the guy behind you on the depth chart is better or as good as you, and it'll push the starters to be their best. And then when those guys are ready, those guys at the number two hole, when they're ready, they step in and become all-stars. So you can't leave the field as a starter. That was always in my mind. And knock on luck, I was lucky. I was lucky with injuries to play 194 games. But I didn't want to come off the field because the guys behind me were always really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Hey, speaking of tough, you talked about uh, James Murphy being tough. So is this guy, Glenn Suter. We're going to continue with the cruel side of business on the uh, uh, the business side of football, pardon me, on the other side of the break. This is the uh, press coverage segment with the Hall of Fame broadcaster, Glenn Suter, for Quality Tire on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back, and let's get right back on the Western Pizza Hotline. It's press coverage for Quality Tire with Ryder Plaza Bonner Safety, Hall of Fame broadcaster Glenn Suter. Suits, we talked about the business side of football kind of biting uh, Darrell Walker. Same thing happened to Tommy Condell. Bo Levi Mitchell said, I want to go to Hamilton. I want to work with Tommy Condell. Well, Tommy Condell in a bye week takes the fall for a lackluster three and five start. I think it's unfair to totally criticize him. Scott Milanovic comes in, takes over the OC duties. Uh, I don't, initially they'll probably get a bit of a bump, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know that they got the quarterbacking right now to help any coach out. So I, I you know, this was kind of, uh, let's, uh, the dogs are nipping at our heels. Let's do something. Well, I, I hear you. I mean, something they wanted to shake something up, and I think Tommy Condell did, you know, take the hit. Um, you know, I, I will say this: Tommy Condell is uh, a great coordinator, and with, with the right personnel, his style of offensive play calling works very well. It has in the past on different teams, multiple teams, and it will again. And because this has happened, doesn't make Tommy Condell a dum dum. It just doesn't. So he's still a high-quality offensive coordinator that will land on his feet. Having said that, I think Tommy Condell, like a lot of coordinators in the CFL, sometimes get stubborn when it comes to a balanced offensive attack. They, they forget that the run game, even though we only play three-down football, that the run game and that balance is crucial. Look at the Calgary-Toronto game. They were consistent, Calgary, in calling – Diedrich Mills number he had like 27 carries for 137 yards and the reason they won that game was because of balanced attack on offense this is this is something that you know we talk about a lot and I think people kind of tune out because they say oh there, there they go talking about run the game run the ball on first down again but the balance is so important because it takes the attention of the front seven and it puts it straight on the tailback first and then they have to get into their pass rush mode. And, and that takes a split second or two, which gives the quarterback more time if he is throwing. So, you know, I just, I think Tommy Condell, if there was one thing you could criticize about his play calling in, in Hamilton, it was that he forgot about the run. They have James Butler there. Mm-hmm. And they haven't, they have not utilized James Butler at all on the offense. 
I uh, I don't know, man. It's a lot of pressure when you host a Grey Cup. Tra- or uh, Hamilton's doing it for the second time in the last uh, three years. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they went to the one a couple of years ago, losing to Winnipeg. Uh, I really think Orlando Steinauer's seat's pretty warm. It, it might even be <laughs> hot. I'm not telling uh, – hey, I don't fire anybody on the show. You know that. You don't do it either. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's awful interesting when you have a Grey Cup winning head coach sitting right there in your building. Yeah, and Scott Milenovic is, uh, you know, he's going to be a little bit different approach. I mean, Milenovic comes from the from the Tressman sort of coaching tree and bringing the West Coast offense from the States, and Tressman was part of that, and he brought it to Montreal. And then, you know, uh, there's been sort of offshoots of that. Jason Moss is another one that's under the kind of Mark Tressman tree. And so that's what Milenovic is. It's a little bit different. Um, and, and we'll see how that goes, but you're right. I mean, you know, when you have the great cup and you're hosting it, the head coach, I'm sure feels the pressure. I know he doesn't talk about it in the locker room, but everybody knows they've got to be, they've got to make the playoffs and at least try and take a run to get there. Some of the narratives I hear, well, there's a, with a nine team league, there's not any storylines. Well, you got to look for the storylines. You don't have to look too hard in the Ryder Montreal game. Let's start with Moss and Dickinson. I don't know for a fact, but I don't think they're being totally upfront on, uh, being on the same page back when they worked together with the Rough Riders. So that's an interesting angle going into this game. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, they, uh, both Cody Fajardo and, and Stanback both took, uh, maintenance days yesterday when it came to, you know, just making sure that, or they both took maintenance days just, just to, to rest. Mm. But there is no way that Cody Fajardo is not playing in this game. <laughs> so, no. like, he's, he's playing for sure. And that relationship with Moss and, and Fajardo, you know, who really knows? O- only they know wh- how, strong it is or how weak it was and stronger it is now I'm not sure but at the end of the day I think Fajardo is is throwing the deep ball better than he used to and if they can get Stan back really going and I think he's coming on like he started slow but in the last couple of games he's had a, a couple of big games I think last week he was over 100 yeah, you get Stan back involved, and now that offense looks a lot better. Yeah, but it's uh, real interesting because Derek Moncrief and Micah Tights are banging off the ring rust. Micah Tights looks as good as he has yes. a couple years ago, and Derek Moncrief, I thought maybe had lost a step, but I was wrong. He's coming on big time now. Oh, I I, I thought he had a great game last week, and I you know I he, I think he's one of the uh, you know the world class athletes on the field that we have i mean uh, as far as that tweener linebacker a guy that can play the run as well as any linebacker in the league but can also run with slot backs is there a better one than Derek Moncrief i'm not sure there is there's there's faster db type players that can cover maybe a little better but there's there's not guys that can do both at the level that he can do both at and i i just think he's maybe the best tweener in the league Glenn, who did you play with as a quarterback on your team that you wanted to hit because you couldn't hit them in practice? Was there one guy? <laughs> um, oh, not not in a mean way, but Homer Jordan was <laughs> a, Homer Jordan was in our practice, and he was such a nice guy, and and would always joke around with you and stuff. So there were times in practice, and he always had I don't know he had like a thousand Adidas and Nike sweat. Remember when sweatsuits were in yeah. back in the day? Yeah. Well, he had about a thousand of those in his closet, and he used to walk around this big college background and have fun and joke with people. And I thought, you know, one of these days I'm just going to come on a blitz and practice and 
whack you. And, uh, but not in a mean way. Yeah. Not in a mean way. But, yeah. But, well, the so reason, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is I have a sneaking suspicion. I asked Anthony Lanier on the post game show because we na- named him the defensive game star with five tackles and three sacks. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. I said, you must be looking forward to hitting a quarterback you couldn't hit in practice. And he said, you said that, I didn't. But I'm getting a sense that uh, they're licking their chops to go at Cody Fajardo in this game. That's another great storyline. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what will be said after the first sack? And, you know, like, <laughs> what's going to be said if Cody throws a time? I mean, Cody's not really a trash talker, but there's guys on defense that are. So we'll watch for that as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean – the one thing is you, they know each other so well. You know, Cody will know the Saskatchewan defense and, and the personnel and what they do well and what they don't, and vice versa is, is true too. The defense and a lot of those guys playing will, you know, know Cody. So, yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's going to be a great matchup to see. And, you, you know, you mentioned Cody's having kind of a comeback year. I still think he bails at times early, mm-hmm. but he, but he's having a, he's having a pretty good year and – is positioning Montreal in a good way. So this is an interesting matchup. Well, let's end on a positive note, Mr. Suter. Uh, the CFL record ratings for Sunday Night Football so far. They got their biggest rating ever for Sunday Night Football. Uh, 629,700 people watch that Ottawa-Saskatchewan game. Total Week 9 average, uh, almost 526,000. That's, uh, that's outstanding. Yeah, and I, you know... Anyone that tells you it's difficult selling advertising with CFL, I don't understand. Anyone that says, um, you know, we we are struggling with billboards and things, I don't understand. Because, and that that's sort of talking about our guys uh, at TSN. But we we every no no weekend, no no no. There there are others too. Believe me. Yeah yeah, and we we are every weekend. Michael, we are we are showing our games to two million Canadians. Think about that. What else? What else in the regular season, winter or summer? What else brings that many people on the weekend to your television? Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what. This segment sold. The sports cage is selling hot, and uh, the Rough Rider broadcast is sold out. So I can't really. I mean, uh, the proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah, yeah, and you and your guys have done a good job of saying, listen. People care in this country about it, and people want to hear about the news and what's happening and the previews and all that you do on the show, and that's why that's sold out, and I think they all should be because 2 million people a weekend doesn't happen in anything else. Tell you what, man, uh, everybody's cheer. Uh, you you don't cheer for anybody, but I can. I am cheering for the Edmonton Elks. Just win a game, beat the Blue Bombers. Let's get some good positive energy going. Victor Kui and those guys need it over there. Yeah, they do, and I, I'm going to be very careful to try to not sound like I'm cheerleading for Trey Fort. Oh, but yeah. I'm telling you right now that I, I, I hope he has a very good game, win or lose. I hope that he shows the athlete that he is, because I think he's a great athlete and could become a great quarterback. And he's getting his opportunity. Suits, thanks for this. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Michael.